And welcome back, everyone, to Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. I am your new host, Daniel Rogers, and I'm here with a great, great friend of mine. Uh, we have uh, the same mentor in Dr. Dallas Burdett, and this man here has helped me out through so many difficult times in my life. I remember uh, calling him back in maybe the fall of 2016 and received a lot of great advice from him, and we've just been best friends ever since. He's a great pastor and an even better disc golf player. This is O.B. Richardson. How you doing, Obi? Hey, Daniel, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, I don't know about being a great disc golf por- uh, player. <laughs> I struggle. Well, it's a lot of fun. Well, Jesus said you shall know them by their fruits, and mm. you've got you've got a couple of great disc golf players uh, in your family, right? That you trained yeah, up and taught them everything they know. Yeah, we'll go with that for sure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, my uh, my oldest son Oliver, he's twenty three. He is a uh, professional disc golf player and has traveled extensively and and won several tournaments. And my youngest son Caleb, he's also pro and um, he's actually playing for the University of South Alabama. And they get to travel to different places and play these tournaments. So yeah, it's super cool. They're wow, really I, knew, I knew he was into tennis, but I didn't know he was also playing collegiate disc golf. That's that's pretty cool. Yep, yep, sure is. Yeah, well, so uh, Obi, I know that I know you well, but also know that uh, we probably have one or two audience members who know you well. Um, one of your shepherds down there in Mississippi. But so, so tell the audience who are you? Uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry. What do you got going on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I've been in the ministry for gosh over twenty five years. That's a long time. <laughs> Currently, I'm working with the uh, Central Church of Christ in Pascagoula, Mississippi. I don't live in Pascagoula. I live in Mobile, so I commute uh, Sunday uh, through Wednesday over here to the office and you know, do my studies and, and uh, minister uh, to and with the church. Um, I started here, starting to work with this congregation back in January, and it's great uh, in comparison to previous ministry experiences, you know, where... Uh, there was a lot of difficulty, a lot of struggles, concerns. Uh, this church is indeed a breath of, of fresh air. Uh, the people here are open to the scriptures. Uh, one thing that I like about this church, Daniel, is uh, we're actively involved in the community through our food program. We've partnered with several churches in our area, the Presbyterian Church, the Lutheran Church. And tonight, I'm going with one of our leaders to a Methodist church, and he's going to share the vision about our food ministry and what we're trying to do as a body of believers. So I think it's important to make this statement. We are a church of Christ, but we're not a traditional uh, church of Christ. Um, you know, I, I guess you've had similar experiences to me. I'm, I'm in kind of a uh, similar ministry situation to yourself, and I'll be talking to someone in the community, and I'll say, hey, I'm, I'm a minister for the North Broad Street Church of Christ. And they like, you know, take three steps away and, you know, spray me with disinfectant. <laughs> Do you have, uh, have you had similar experiences or has your congregation sort of uh, made a name for itself as being more grace-centered, maybe more ecumenical? Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. So the previous minister uh, did a lot of that work. And, uh, you know, we have great relationships with uh, other churches, other Christians. You know, we don't hold to the traditional paradigm or the traditional um foundation of church of Christism. Um, we believe that a God is your father and you're living a God of life, then you're my brother or sister in Christ. So uh, this church is unique. And uh, that's the reason I'm here. 
Because as you know, I was out of full-time ministry for over six years because I just got sick and tired of the sectarian narrow-mindedness that we see within a lot of our churches, not exclusively ours, but you know, in, in, in Christendom as well. So uh, for me to be here and to work with this church speaks volume of, volumes about their love and their openness to the scriptures. Yeah, I remember uh, when you were telling me that you were uh, investigating this particular opportunity uh, in southeast Mississippi there, that it must have been a very special circumstance. Because I know you you hadn't sworn off full-time ministry, but you're pretty close to it <laughs> uh, because is, is, of some of the negative experiences you've had. Yeah, yeah, that, that's correct. And I was still preaching. Uh, there was a uh, there's a church in Bala Battery, <laughs> which is just <laughs> outside of, of Mobile. It's one of a small shrimping community. And so I was uh, preaching for them on Sunday mornings um, without pay. Um, and it, it was a really great work. It was uh, at that time in, in my ministry, I was really struggling. I was looking for answers. I was I was frustrated with with uh, with church and with Christians, these pompous, pious Christians. You think they know it all. And and this church um, invited me to come out and speak. And I was going to speak for six weeks. And that six weeks turned into six years. Wow. That, that's how it happens. Uh, when I was in high school, we adopted, uh, well, we fostered a, a little uh, a family of kids. Uh, there were three of them. And they said, two weeks is all we need. You just got to foster them for two weeks. And two years later, we were signing adoption papers. And so, uh, yeah, the, in ministry, it goes like that too. Hey, just come work with us for a couple of weeks, you know, be our, be our uh, interim guy. And then, you know, before too long, you've... Uh, you know, you're, you've you've preached all the members' funerals, and you've watched their kids growing up, right, and everything. Right. And you're like, well, okay, what happened? So let me you talk to let me share let me share an interesting story about this church. Yeah, um, for sure. So so the uh, the first Sunday, you know, I didn't know anything about this this particular fellowship. So the first Sunday, I had my three piece suit on, you know, my Stacy Adams, <laughs> you know, my hundred dollar watch, and I uh, walked into this church, and it was literally like Little House on the Prairie. No <laughs> there lie. You go. And when I walked in and, uh, and was looking around, there were, <coughs> there, excuse me, there were several members of that church that didn't even have shoes on their feet. Wow. You know, you, I remember, uh, when I would be talking to you on the phone on like a Wednesday or a Sunday or whatever, you would, you would say something like, yeah, I'm headed out to the bayou. <laughs> and yeah, it always sounded like you were going to, uh, you know, to another world or something. So <laughs> it was another world. So uh, when I when I when I witnessed that, you know, I, I felt horrible. I yeah, felt horrible. And uh, this church, um, they're not theologians, uh, but they love God and they love people. And in a time in my life when I was looking for and needing love, you know, this church stepped up and embraced me and honored me for who I am. And um, they'll always have a special place in my heart. Great, great body of believers. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. So uh, let's let's put a pin in this whole discussion on anxiety around churches, uh, church hurt, and things like that for just a moment to give you a little bit of space here uh, to plug yourself. Uh, uh, do you have any websites or YouTube channels, or that maybe the church has something that you can plug real quick for uh, people to go out there and find? Yeah, I have a uh, uh, a Facebook account, and so you can search me. It's O B Richardson the third. That's O period B period Richardson R I C H A R D S O N the third. And I also have an Instagram and a Twitter account. Now, I will say that I'm not very active 
on Facebook, on Instagram or Twitter. Um, I want to be, but so many other things are, you know, wanting my attention that I just, I just haven't made time. Uh, but also, go ahead. Oh, never mind. I uh, go ahead and uh, say what you're yeah, going to say and then I'll, I'll ask him a follow up. Yeah. Yeah. So I also have a blog, but, uh, I'm in the process of redoing it. Actually, my son is, uh, is doing it for me. So hopefully I'll have that up and going here in the next, next month or so. Yeah. I remember, uh, a lot of your blog posts from a few years back, they were so helpful. You had a lot of good information on uh, things like hell and other subjects. And I really appreciated that. And also, uh, a cookbook, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised that you're bringing that up. Yeah. So about 10, 11 years ago, uh, we decided to, uh, uh, to take the plunge into a plant-based diet. And so we, we became vegan and that was at a time when it wasn't very popular. And so we were having to, uh, you know, learn how to cook all of the, this new food. And there were times <laughs> yeah. when we was hours in the kitchen and we would sit down at the table to, to eat and it would taste like a dirty left sock. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so we throw it all away. So once we was a, once, once we were able to kind of put everything together, we created this, uh, this cookbook and made it available for people to try a plant-based diet. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, I bring, I bring all this up just to kind of show what, what just a, an interesting and exciting person you are and your family is, uh, y'all, y'all have just been such a great, a treat to get to know over the last few years. And I want people to be excited about uh, what you have to share as well. So uh, one last thing um, before we kind of move into our discussion for today, uh, your church, what was it called? It's a central church of Christ, right? That is correct. Yep. And yes. y'all stream uh, your services and you stream your Bible classes as well to Facebook, right? That is correct. Yes. So, so you can you, uh, go ahead, Dan. Oh yeah. I was going to say, if you want to, if you want to uh, go and watch OB sermons, listen to him, teach, listen to him, uh, what's the word that Dallas likes? He's pontificate. Pontificate, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, then, yeah, go go search him up on Facebook, Central Church of Christ, and I'll be sure to add some of these links uh, to the show notes below, so that those of you who um, like to go on our website can get access to all that and uh, quickly find everything that you need to know about Ob Richardson. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, did you have anything else to share before we get into it? No, not not that I can think of. Okay. Uh, in that case, Obi, you mentioned a while ago about how you've been out of full-time ministry for around six years. Uh, you mentioned that this time was a, a period of self-discovery. It was a time of working through a lot of, uh, a lot of hurt, maybe a lot of spiritual anxiety. Um, and I'm sure uh, I have a lot of similar experiences uh, to you in that. And I know our listeners uh, from reading their comments on our Facebook group, uh, for exploring faith, pursuing grace, and reading private messages, uh, that they've had a lot of similar uh, experiences as well, a lot of similar emotions, and a lot of similar trauma. Um, centering prayer is something that you introduced to me when I was going through one of the darkest uh, points of my life. Uh, and I know that you found that as a helpful tool for yourself, so helpful, in fact, that I know that you've actually uh, spent some time with others, uh, mentoring them and and talking to them about centering prayer. So, kind of break it down for us. What what exactly is centering prayer? Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, I think before we talk about uh, what centering prayer is, I, I want to briefly talk about what it isn't. Okay, so centering prayer um, has nothing to do with a relaxation exercise. Um, it, it may bring some relaxation, but it is a prayer. 
it's it's this process of prayer whereby we enter into a relationship with God. Uh, the purpose of centering prayer, or some would say contemplative prayer, is to deepen our awareness of who God is and to consent to his will for my life. So it's it, this 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 process of prayer isn't just to 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 step into this period of relaxation. There's a purpose behind it, and that is connecting with the divine. Secondly, I would say, go ahead, Daniel. I was going to say, in many ways, it's not necessarily relaxing during some sessions because it it sort of forces you to acknowledge uh, what Thomas Keating, as we're going to as we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but it sort of forces you to acknowledge your uh, false self. And doing that can be, uh, that self-crucifixion process can be excruciating at times, but so uh, so healing in the long run. So Yeah, 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 very, yeah yes, uh, that's so true. Like the process of kenosis, of self-emptying, emptying, right? In order to make room and make space for God in our, in our heart and in our mind. Um, I would say the second thing is that, you know, it's not a mystical experience. Um, when we go through centering prayer, you, you may define it or describe it as, as something that's mystical or even magical, but the purpose of the prayer isn't to see visions. It's not to enter into some trance-like state. It's a prayer. Uh, Thomas Keating said it this way, and I think this is brilliant. He said that centering prayer is the way of pure faith. It's the way of pure faith, nothing else. He says you don't have to feel it, but you do have to practice it. So what is this prayer all about? It's about entering into silence, which is tough in this day and age when there are so many distractions, so many things that are you know, wanting our attention to sit in silence for 20 minutes or for that matter, for 10 minutes is difficult. So it's this process of opening our mind and our heart and our body and our emotions. In other words, our whole being to God. Uh, one catechism defines it this way, that prayer is the raising of the mind and the heart to God. Right, Connecting with the God to see that there, there, there's no separation. There's no dualism in this. It's, it's me and God coming together and me consenting to the purpose and the will of God in my life. I'm a huge fan of Christian mystics. And uh, St. Teresa of Avila said this about uh, centering prayer. She said that contemplative prayer or centering prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than a close sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be along with him who we know loves us. I think that's wow. powerful and prophetic. Yeah, one it's, other, it's, yeah, one it's other, beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, one other uh, great Christian mystic said that centering prayer is when I look at him and he looks at me. Yeah. So it's, it's a prayer in which we shift gears from our mind into the heart space. We yeah, it's kind of it's kind of moving from this from this necessary and and a lot of times you know it's needed uh, this sort of shopping list style prayer you know we have our our sort of default sayings we have our requests you know make your request be made known to God we have maybe specific people in mind specific circumstances we're praying for it's about yeah. taking time not just to pray in that way but also to 
uh, sit in silence, kind of like Job's friends did. <laughs> you know, they yeah. sat in silence for seven days, and that was way more meaningful than when they began opening up their mouth and trying to explain everything away, which we sometimes do uh, while we're praying. And so, sounds like what you're saying is this is a way. It's not a. It's not a substitute or like a. Uh, it's, it's not like we're trying to replace other ways to pray, but it's That's another right. way to pray. It's another way to connect. It's another, uh, maybe a, even a deeper level of spirituality on top of sort of your standard, you know, shopping list uh, style prayer. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And and Thomas Keating said this about uh, centering prayer. He said that silence is the language of God. Hmm. Everything else is just noise. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think I've heard... Uh, a slight variation to that quote as well, that silence is the language to God, language of God and everything else is interpretation. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, this, this idea that, you know, before there was uh, like Genesis one uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What was there? <laughs> and right. right. One of the answers to that was, uh, was, was silence. And I think that as uh, those of us who are, who are blessed to be, uh, in relationships. And of course, many people are blessed uh, to not be in a relationship, just depending on the individual. But those of us who are in relationships, we know the power of you're sitting on the couch. One of you has, uh, you know, you're reading the book, the other one's reading the newspaper or looking at a magazine or something, and you're not talking. Uh, there's no noise, you know, coming from either of your mouths. There's no, you know, other kind of communication, it seems like. But just being in that experience together, you're exchanging all kinds of information. You can detect each other's moods. You sense each other's presence. You, you're right. sharing love and time. And mm-hmm. centering prayer is a way that we uh, can do this with God without all of the noise like you're talking about and distractions in our life. Yeah, it's it's listening to God because a lot of times, as you said, we are petitioning God, God, you know, bless me in this endeavor. Or God, I want to pray for this particular person. And, and that's a good prayer and we should practice that prayer. But but sometimes we just need to sit back and let God speak into us, right, to fill those voids in our lives. You know, because for me, uh, there was a time when, you know, going through all the ups and downs with all of these various churches, I was feeling empty. I was frustrated. I was looking for meaning. I was looking for purpose. You know, I have a uh, a large library. I did all, I've exhausted all of the academic resources. I read all the books. I talked to all of my friends and I still was at this place where I needed something real, something tangible, something that would sustain me, lift me up. And I didn't realize it, but it was in that dark night of the soul to play on uh, um, St. John of the Cross, uh, his, his famous words and book. Um, it was in that moment of silence that I found I found my answers. I found meaning, and God basically subsumed me with His love and was able to resurrect me from the despair and the despondency that I found myself in, and to let me know that I am loved and that I am appreciated, and that and that I I should just do what He's called me to do. And uh, yeah, it was it was a gift. It was a it was a it was a grace and a mercy that God provided me. You know what's interesting, Ob, is uh, before we, we before we started the uh, recording, we talked about this list of questions and how we weren't really sure how we were going to tackle one of them uh, that I that I'd sent to you. But it sounds like you just answered it. Uh, 
we've talked we've talked about before how this podcast is uh we've kind of shifted gears kevin and lee spent a lot of time talking about deconstruction i wanted to spend some time as they did uh, talking about and focusing on reconstruction and as you just heard ob was able to use this centering prayer this spiritual practice to reconnect him with god in ways that he never had and that's one thing about reconstruction is it's not just reconstructing new ideas or new thoughts about who we are or new interpretations or whatever, but it's also about developing a uh, robust spirituality. It's about developing helpful practices that we can incorporate into our day-to-day lives that bring us closer to God. So, hey, I think we went ahead and answered that question <laughs> that we were a little bit uh, unsure about before. But, hey, uh, Obi, you keep mentioning this name, Thomas Keating. Uh, for our for our listeners, who who is Thomas Keating, and what role has he played in uh, centering prayer? Yeah, uh, Thomas Keating was an American uh, Catholic Trappist monk, um, and that order, the Trappist order, is one of the strictest orders within the uh, the Catholic faith. Um, he was one of the developers of Centering Prayer, along with uh, William Menning- Menninger and uh, Basil Pennington. Uh, Thomas Keating was born uh, in a wealthy family there in Manhattan, but he realized that while wealth could provide some meaning and purpose in life, um, that it wasn't uh, it wasn't the end all. That he was missing something, so he walked away from you know his his uh, father's business. I believe his father was a uh, was a lawyer. He walked away from that and he entered. Um, the monastic community. And just over the years, uh, began to study, had an affinity for um, um, the Christian mystics, uh, read the, I think it's the 14th, is it the, uh, I don't remember the, the year, but he read that classic tome, The Cloud of Unknowing. And in this in this particular book, um, the, uh, the author ended up expressing some ideas about contemplative prayer or centering prayer. So um, Thomas and William and Basil basically put all this stuff together. And um, and Thomas ended up writing a book called Open, what is it called? I got it right here. Open Mind, Open Heart, in which he gives a detailed description of what is centering prayer and how to, pra- uh, how to practice it. So he's also, yeah. he's, authored, he's authored over 25 books, <laughs> right? And, and, um, there are two documentaries, I believe they're on Amazon and, uh, which I highly, rec- highly recommend everyone watching. Uh, the first one is called from the mind to the heart. Uh, and the second one is a rising tide of silence, a rising yeah, th- tide of silence. I think I watched one of those at your house and then I went and found the other and watched it at my house. Um, <laughs> but oh, okay. uh, one of those. One of those books was Invitation to Love that he wrote. And I I think that was one in the trilogy, uh, Intimacy with God and the Mystery of Christ. I can't recall exactly, but Invitation to Love had so much helpful information for me about things I would never expect, you know, legalism and, (laughs) you know, dealing with kind of spiritual trauma. Um, And one of the things that he pointed out, you mentioned he was part of the Travis community, which was one of the most strict orders that one could be a part of. And how he realized uh, he was trying to escape this life of where he would drink his friends under the table and kind of proud himself and, you know, being able to do that at all the bars and whatever. And what he realized when he joined this community where he basically went from 
you know, being a, you know, party animal to, to, uh, being a master of, of uh, silent meditation and, you know, working in the monastery and things like that. He realized that he had just shifted his, uh, sh- you know, sort of showing off and shifted his pride from, uh, you know, drinking people under the table to out fasting people. And right. that's right. when he started to realize that oftentimes our actions may be perceived as more pure, whereas the motivations may be the same. Maybe they come from this false self, this, uh, these sort of impure motives. And so centering prayers design from what I understand is, is to help you confront those truths and uh, begin to understand them so that you can sort of understand not your motives, you know, for what, uh, how you began, whatever it is you're doing, but your motives for continuing uh, down this path. Maybe you started deconstruction out of bitterness, out of anger um, or something like that. Uh, maybe you went down whatever path you're on because of pride and centering prayer is a way to sort of hit the brakes and go, okay, well, why am I doing what I'm doing? And it's not so much that you're discovering that for yourself as it is God revealing that to you. Yeah, And, and I would, I would add Daniel that that centering prayer is a nonviolent prayer, right? And so, yeah, we are, um, crucifying, if we can use that, that phrase, we are crucifying the flesh, right? We're, 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 we're trying to step away from thoughts and in centering prayer thoughts has to do not just with like a mental ascent, maybe a propositional truth or, or, you know, what am I going to do later on this afternoon? But a thought is a sensation or an impression. Um, so yeah, we're, we're resisting those things, but it's, it's a prayer of peace. And so we don't fight the thoughts, we simply acknowledge the thoughts and we bring our sacred word to that thought, allow that thought to leave us. And in that microsecond of silence is where we experience the divine love that brings about transformation. You mentioned a few keywords there. Uh, you mentioned the sacred word. You talked about sort of using that sacred word to ever so gently move those thoughts away, send them down the river. I know is one yeah. uh, popular image that Thomas Keating likes to use in his books. Um, what is that? What are you talking about there? Sacred word. I, I know that there's uh, four steps to centering prayer. Can you kind of walk us through those and uh, just sort of very quickly define those for us? Yeah, for sure. So the first step is, um, is choosing a sacred word. Um, choose a word. Uh, that you can draw that can draw you into your your prayer or your twenty minute prayer. Um, so think about it this way: uh, this word will be like a compass in your hand that will call you back to interior silence. Um, this word itself isn't sacred, but we use this word as a means to replace any type of thought or sensation or impression that comes that comes to mind. Um, there's no right or, or a wrong word. Uh, and what's important is the intention of the word. The word is to get us back to this moment, to this space or to this place of silence where we can connect with the divine. So Thomas Keating says that there are many words that you can use. Uh, you can use the word Abba. You can use the word Jesus, mercy, love. Mary. So it's your word. 
Um, and we should not look look to others and try to get ideas. You know, what word are you using or what word are, are, is this person over here using? It's your personal word and it's a sacred word because whenever thoughts come come to mind and they will come to mind. You know, I when I was uh, here, here at the church, a couple of weeks ago, Daniel, I was leading them in a in a centering prayer. And I said, one thing that we have to recognize and realize is that when I tell you not to have a thought, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I have thoughts. You're going to have a thought, right? So it doesn't matter what you do. Thoughts are going to come. And so That's right. a, a thought is like a cloud. Okay. So we'll have this thought and we'll see it. We'll see it. And this cloud is coming across you know, uh, uh, coming across us, we see the crap, we see the cloud. What the, uh, the sacred word does is it replaces that and it, it moves the cloud to the other side. What we don't want to do in centering prayer is to stop the cloud, to analyze the, uh, the, uh, the cloud, to, uh, you know, to speak to the cloud. We want to notice it. It's there and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with being there. And then use gently. This is the word that Thomas Keating uses. Gently bring the sacred word to your attention in order to replace that cloud, in order for you to go back into that sacred space of silence. So for me, for me, the sacred word that I use is peace. I use this word because whenever I was going through some difficult times, I was longing for peace. And so that word has just stayed with me throughout the years. So the first step is choosing a, a sacred word. What was you going to say, Daniel? Oh, yeah, I was going to say I've used uh, different sacred words depending on the season of my life. Um, peace was one I used for a while. I tried love, uh, spirit, uh, grace, you know, a lot of these. And you'll notice a lot of these are one or two syllables because yep. – while the meaning of the word may matter when you pick it out, it's not like you're invoking this meaning when you introduce the word into your prayer. It's, it's right. more of a tool to ease that thought down. And, and thoughts can be anything from literal thoughts like we think of thoughts, but it could also be bodily sensations, an ache, a pain, or observations uh, of your environment, like the truck that just went by or the dog that's barking or the sun feels hot. All of those are thoughts. And so part of this is, is trying to find some kind of uh, environment to limit the possibility of those thoughts, you know, a comfortable chair, a quiet room, whatever. Uh, but one of the things I was going to say would be is that word gently is so key because I know that there yeah. were times when I started out that I would be going like my, my internal monologue was like silence, silence, silence. There's a bird. Oh wait, hang on. Peace, 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 peace. You know, like <laughs> get it, yeah. assault it, you know, attack it <laughs> when really it's, it's like, okay, I'm having a thought and that's totally okay. In fact, I might've been daydreaming for like the last six minutes. Hey, that's great. Ever so gently introduce that word and ease back into the silence. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a, uh, pra it takes practice, but it's so rewarding once you learn to, uh, learn to do that for sure. Yeah. And, and we shouldn't be upset with ourselves if we, if we, if we find ourselves in that prayer, just, you know, we, we go on this, uh, this, this dream or this journey, you know, we're thinking about what we're going to do tomorrow or, or even if we fall asleep. Yeah. Thomas Keating says that sometimes in centering prayer, you know, you're so exhausted from the daily activities that when you sit down to do your, your, uh, centering prayer, that you'll end up falling asleep. It's okay. It's a joyful experience. It's a nonviolent prayer. You simply wake up and you go back into uh, your contemplative prayer. So yes. 
Yeah. Okay, so uh, we've picked our sacred word. Uh, what's what's the other steps there, Obi? Yeah, the second step is to sit comfortably with your eyes closed and um, and then enter into that prayer. And one of the reasons why he talks about sitting comfortably is because you're going to be sitting there for 20 minutes. Now, the <laughs> right, re- yeah. yeah, the re- the recommendation is 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion or debate about that. Like, well, can I do it for 10 minutes? What, can I, well, what about 15 minutes? Well, what Keating says is that in order to get the most out of centering prayer, we need to take the time to do it, right? Anything that's going to benefit us, we have to make a sacrifice. So when we start out, it's not easy. It's not easy sitting there for 20 minutes. After five minutes, you think that you've been sitting there for you know an hour and a half, right? I mean, really. Um, so it, you find a comfortable uh, place, a comfortable posture. You close your eyes. Why do you close your eyes? Because there are so many things that we can look at that can distract us. And it's also a sign or a symbol of humility. So we find this comfortable um, spot, whether sitting up in a chair, maybe uh, sitting up in the bed with our eyes closed. We open our hands on our laps as a sign of receiving the goodness of God. We're relaxed and we gently begin the prayer with our sacred word. And then we allow spirit to do its work within us. So that's, that's beautiful. The, yeah, yeah that, that's the second step. I know that whenever I started out, uh, the 20 minutes thing was pretty daunting. Yeah. And so I started off, I would visit a, uh, I visited this Catholic church that was close to where I worked and I would go there um, about an hour before I was scheduled to go in. And so I would actually go sit in uh, their sanctuary and uh, committed to praying uh, during that time. And, and I would, I would start off, you know, 10 minutes <laughs> the first day and I bumped it up a few just to get the feeling down, you know, get the pattern, get the rhythm. And then I was doing 20 minutes in no time at all. And it was so, so refreshing uh, when I committed to doing that. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So the first step, there's four steps, is you choose a sacred word. The second one is you sit comfortably with your eyes closed. And then the third one, which I briefly mentioned, is you gently introduce, you know, uh, your word. So again, I, I've said this a couple of times, but I think it, it needs to be repeated. <clears throat> Is that this is a this is a peaceful prayer, right? We're not fighting, we're not arguing with with uh, with any sensation or any impression. Uh, we introduce this word uh, in our mind, and you let yourself simply be. And as as thoughts or distractions arise, could be, you know, the kids in the other room. It could be a telephone call. Uh, you simply gently return to that word, that sacred word, and. Um, and you find that space again for God to to do God's work. Um, it, the the practice is is being persistent in this state of openness to God. You know, a lot of times when we do centering prayer, after the twenty minutes is up, we think, "Man, that was ho- that was a horrible practice." <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. It's like, man, I had so many thoughts, and we're tempted at times. When we're sitting, we'll have some of these brilliant ideas, and it's like, oh man, let me get my notepad and I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down, right? Because when I come out of this this prayer, you know, I'm I'm going to explore that. No, 
Um, what's important is that we're persistent in this state of openness to God. It's not a matter of, well, it, was it a good prayer? Was it a bad prayer? Just by you showing up is an acknowledgement that you want to connect to God. Yes. And and a lot of times the thoughts and things that you are uh, feeling during that time, Thomas Keating talks about in some of his books, is the Holy Spirit bringing up all of this old damage and uh, and, and dust, you know, from your past life. And it's just a way of uh, bringing that up so you can acknowledge it and then ever so gently wish it on its way. And I remember there were times, Obi, when I started Centering Prayer, that I would remember specific events or specific interactions that I had years and years ago that I'd never even thought of that didn't come up until Centering Prayer. And it was <coughs> sort of this aha moment like, oh, so that's right. where that came from. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then you just have to acknowledge it and let it go on its way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The fourth, uh, let me see here. Uh, the fourth step in our, um, in centering prayer is after the prayer is, is over, you remain in silence for a few minutes, right? So, uh, you be, you typically begin the prayer with a bell and then you end the prayer with, with another bell. And a lot of times, as soon as that bell is up, we want to jump up and we want to, you know, get back to what, what we're doing. And Thomas yeah. Keating says, no, um, you know, so we need to sit there. We need to contemplate, you know, what we're doing, who we are, how God is working in our life. And we don't need to ask questions like, well, did I do it correctly? Uh, well, I should have done something else. Or why did I get so distracted? You know, these are all temptations that the mind is bringing up. And this prayer is shifting us from the mind to the heart. So we shouldn't scrutinize, we shouldn't marginalize, we shouldn't, you know, uh, attack ourselves for, quote, not doing it right. Just by you showing up, uh, you're doing it right. Yeah, and, and so many uh, people have this uh, competi competition mentality about them when it comes to things like fasting or prayer or Bible memory work. You know, we were sort of trained that way, weren't we? Uh, how many memory verses can you memorize in this week of church camp? Uh, who says the best prayers? <laughs> you know, you, uh, we have competitions in the Church of Christ of who's the best yeah. song leader, who's the best uh, sermon, you know, yeah. who can get the best sermon, who can, whatever. Um, and so, being able to let go of that competition mindset is so essential in uh, in this act of consenting consenting to the presence of God. So, yeah, Ob, uh, you talked about twenty minutes. You talked about two bells. Okay, well, if you're supposed to keep your eyes closed <laughs> and you're not supposed to be doing anything, who rings the bells? What's going on there? Yeah, so I mean, uh, there there are there are apps that, that you can download the, the Searing Prayer app. But before I address that, I want I want to share a thought with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it will resonate with uh, with your listeners. So, like today, uh, it's it's going to be a long day for me. I got to the uh, well. I woke up at four thirty this morning and went to the gym, and um, and then I got a meeting this evening at six thirty. So I won't get home until probably nine o'clock tonight. I have a lot of work to do. And when I walk in, the first thing that I want to do is see my wife and give her a kiss, right? Uh, see my kids, uh, which they're really not kids, 23 and 21 year old. And then I go to my recliner and I sit in my recliner and my dog, Brownie, she runs up to me and she jumps in the recliner and she's super excited to see me. 
And I'm super excited to see her. Sometimes she falls back on her back and she wants me to rub her belly. Sometimes she's just jumping around in my lap, right? She's everywhere. She's uh, high energy. From my point of view, I don't care if she jumps in my lap and lays back and is still and relaxed and I can enjoy her company. And I really don't care if she's super hyper and she's jumping over where and she's licking me. The only thing that I care about is that she's in my lap and that she's excited to see me. And I think that's a great way to talk about centering prayer. Sometimes we enter that prayer and we're still and we're silent and everything is, is working. Sometimes we show up in centering prayer and there's so many things going on right? Story after story after story, thought after thought after thought, distraction after distraction after distraction. And then we come out of that and it's like, man, what a waste. No, it's not a waste. You were there. You showed up. And because you showed up, God is doing his work within you. Yeah. I I think that's another roadblock we have. We hit a lot is we have this idea that Worship must be done correctly with five steps or, you know, five acts that are performed according to scripture. Uh, You know, there's like this pattern that we must conform to. And so giving up that whole mentality and being willing to accept that, hey, it's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah, that's such a difficult, (laughs) such a difficult thing, but it's so, so rewarding. Um, I remember, OB, when my son was little and he was starting to, you know, figure out how to pick up his food that he tried to hand me this soggy puff. (laughs) you know and uh what did i do i accepted it that's that's a wonderful gift i'll eat it sure buddy you know but everybody else is disgusting but to a father looking down at a son it's one of the most precious things he's learning how to give back and so i think that the the problem with the one talent man uh, thinking back to matthew 25 was not that he hid his talent the problem was that his view of God as this overbearing reaps where he does not so uh, kind of, you know, figure crippled him so much in his, in his uh, walk of faith. And I feel like we have to approach centering prayer with the opposite attitude. God just wants us to participate. And if it's not great from a textbook perspective, who cares? That's not, that's not the game we're playing, you know? Right. Right. So getting back to your question, um, you know, what are some of the uh, the apps or, you know, how do we engage this practice uh, that? Yeah. So you can uh, you can search on your uh, on your app store. Um, I think it's called a centering prayer app and you can download it for free. And it's got a lot of Bible verses. It's got a lot of uh, Thomas uh, Keating's uh, uh, statements. Uh, there are various bells that that you can incorporate into your practice. It has um, ending uh, scripture as well. And so you set it up. I think you can go from one minute, maybe to 60 minutes. I believe, I believe that's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. Sitting for 60 minutes, that's an hour. That's that's uh, that's for those super centering prayer saints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know that Thomas Keating and uh, his writings and his uh, videos you can find on YouTube he doesn't recommend going over 20 minutes. He says 20 minutes is is what everybody should do from the least of these to the greatest of these, right? Yeah, 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you can do is uh, you can go to the Contemplative um, Outreach uh, website. So just type in Google Contemplative Outreach, 
and they have a de uh, database of centering prayer meetups. So you can put your area in there and possibly find a group of believers that meet maybe weekly or monthly uh, that you can, you know, join and participate in, in centering prayer. I know that there is a uh, guy in Chattanooga named Richard who I went on a retreat with uh, back in April uh, called Discovering Renewal in Montreat, North Carolina. And I know that he uh, he actually runs a centering prayer uh, group a couple times a week um, up in the Chattanooga area. So, oh, okay. yeah, they're out there. Yeah, they're out there for sure. And I, I know that they would they just absolutely love to share this kind of thing with others. So they'd be happy to have you. Or uh, you could always start your own centering prayer group. Maybe find some people from church or your community who are who are interested in this kind of thing, and then do centering a prayer on your own throughout the week. But then maybe once or twice, maybe before Wednesday night Bible class, or maybe uh, you know after Sunday morning worship, after you have your lunch, y'all can all get together and practice centering prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can do what we do and just incorporate it into your Sunday morning service. There you go. So tell me about that. You've started incorporating centering prayer. Yeah, I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, so in our service, each Sunday, we set aside time for what I call scripture reading and reflection. And uh, we invite different people to, to come on the stage and to share scripture or poem or story and, and just, you know, share some thoughts. So about three weeks ago, um, it was my, my turn to do it. And so I read from Psalm 116, which is part of, you know, the Egyptian Haleo Psalm, Psalm 113 and 118. And I love the... Uh, the way 116 begins, he says, I love you, Lord, for you heard my cry. So mm -hmm. I kind of rifted on that for, for a few minutes. And then I invited the church to close their eyes. You know, I didn't give them a, you know, I didn't uh, advise them beforehand. So I invited the church to close their eyes. And, and we sat in silence for, well, you know, you can't, can't do 20 minutes, but we sat in <laughs> silence for for about two or three minutes, as I guided them in breath work, I encouraged them to relax their shoulders, you know, to relax your face muscles. Because a lot of times we don't realize that we carry a lot of, uh, uh, of stress and tension in our in our cheeks, right? So I uh, instructed them about just breathing deeply and, and, and open ourselves up, be vulnerable to the Spirit of God working within us. So we did that. And I was a little fearful about opening my eyes. When I, I was thinking, well, when I open my eyes, you know, half the congregation are they gonna they're gonna be gone, you know, or you know what's gonna happen? <laughs> and, and to my surprise, yeah, when when, I, when we closed the uh, uh, this prayer, you know, everyone was there, and so we went on with our service, of course. But afterwards, I got so much positive feedback, you know, wow. and that's one of the things that I think we need to incorporate in in our ministry. You know, we're good about exegeting the passage, you know, from the left brain, you know, analyzing it. You know, what is it saying to us? What did it say back then? So that's kind of the left wing, right, of, of Christianity. But then you have the right wing as well, which is more of contemplative, like interior silence. And I think we need to incorporate both of those to experience the fullness of who God is. There are times when, and I'm going to say this, not to shock people. Uh, but it's true. But there are times when the black and red letters on the paper don't meet the need in my life. Hmm. And so I need something more. And that is I need a, I need a, a real touch from the real presence of God. And I believe this is what centering prayer offers. Wow. That's a, that's a strong recommendation there, Obi. So, <laughs> so, uh, 
So not to, say, not, not to say that the you know let me go back not to say that you know the, the black and and red words on the on, on the pages of the bible aren't meaningful and, and don't encourage us and, and renew us in the faith of course they do but my point is that we need to step into the uh the contemplative space as well yeah well god god told us to enter into our closet right i know that's a that's a popular centering prayer text yeah, yeah for sure uh, we might we might even reflect on the times many times when jesus went into the mountain by himself or spent time alone uh in prayer often maybe repeating the same prayer you know three times like he did in the garden and so or you might you might think back to paul's uh, lengthy trip to arabia before entering into his ministry yeah. and so there are recommendations in scripture for things that we do outside of just reading and exegeting passages that have a great benefit to our life, including practices uh, such as centering prayer. So yeah, I totally, I totally track with what you were uh, saying a while ago. Um, So talking about centering prayer, we have, we both had experiences in practicing this ourselves. I've related some of mine. You've talked about some of yours and just how it's helped us uh, so much in our life, especially when we go through, uh, what St. John of the Cross called a dark night of the soul right? and confronting our false self and becoming who we are, uh, who we really are, you know, the true self, the the one who's made in the image of God. So what about other people though, Obi? I know that uh, you've worked with others. I know that uh, you and your wife practice centering prayer together. Um, how have you seen centering prayer impact other people's lives that you've sort of worked with over the years? Yeah, yeah, great question. I'm, I'm thinking about a guy that was uh, he's in the military here in uh, in Biloxi, and uh, he was going through uh, some difficult times, and uh, and so I took some time with him, uh, drove over to his house one evening, I gave him a book, uh, "Open Mind, Open Heart" by Thomas Keating, and uh, we practiced um, centering prayer, which was an anomaly to him. I mean, it's something that is outside of his comfort zone, right? Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times when something is outside of our comfort zone, we, we tend to define it as like, woohoo, this is like new age. And, yeah. uh, you know, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be walking down this path. God is going to be upset. But I was able to, to show him from Scripture that uh, and from church history, you know, the, the early church, um, you know, that this was something that was part of their daily devotion, you know, to uh, to God. Uh, so I took him through that. We went through a, a, a 20 minute uh, sit. And uh, when he come out of that, came out of that, that, that uh, prayer, uh, he told me that it was very uh, illuminating uh, that he could tell that the stress and the weight of his problems were, were lighter. Um, and I think to this day, he still, uh, he still practices centering prayer. So I will say that it's not for everyone. No. Centering prayer is not for everyone, uh, but I think you should at least give it a try, experience it, and and see how it makes you feel. And if it doesn't make you feel, maybe you can go to the uh, prayer of examine. Or there's all kinds of different prayers that we can incorporate into our spiritual life that will help us connect to God on a more deeper level. Yeah, I know that uh, Thomas Keating just says that centering prayer is one path to contemplative prayer. Yeah. yeah, there's other there's other options out there. There's other uh, roads that you can take. And it, I think what the website the website you mentioned a while ago was it contemplative outreach? Is that that's right? Correct. Yes, that's correct. Uh, is is that the website that has other uh, suggestions besides centering prayer uh, that one can you know give a give a try to see how uh, it helps them out in their own life? 
Is that yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, perfect. And so I remember on the retreat that I went to, uh, we we did a little bit of centering prayer. Uh, well, at least I did. <laughs> but yeah. uh, we also uh, would read a scripture and just read that scripture over and over again as we walked. Uh, there were times when we went through exercises where we would uh, draw out a, a quadrant and put a spiral through it. And we would name things that were uh, close to us and further, you know, further and further away from us, things that we could see. There was a quadrant, things that we could hear, things that we could feel, things right. that we could smell. And those were all just ways to make us more aware of the divine. So, man, that's awesome. Uh, hey, do you have anything else to share on centering of prayer or contemplative prayer uh, that would benefit our audience? Yeah, there's some resources that I would like to recommend uh, if you have an interest in uh, learning more about Centering Prayer. So several several authors, of course, Thomas Keating. Uh, two books that I recommend is Open Mind, Open Heart, and also Invitation to Love. Like I said earlier, he's written over 25 books. Everything that he's written is, as our good friend Dallas Burdett says, is worth its weight in gold. Um yeah. The the second uh, author, her name is Cynthia Bourget, uh, and let me spell that. It's B O U R. Uh, I think it's G E A U L T. Um, close enough. Yeah, Bourget, Bourget. Uh, it, it depends. You know, I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. Anyway, um, she was a student of Thomas Keating, and uh, she wrote uh, the book Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening. And the heart of centering prayer, center prayer and inner awakening and the heart of centering prayer. Um, Basil Pennington wrote a uh, classic book called Renewing an Ancient Christian Prayer Form. Um, so these are just a few to get you started um, you know, on your centering prayer journey. That's awesome. And like I said before, I will uh, definitely put those in the show notes for everybody. I'll try to I'll try to find direct links when I can or I'll just let you uh, <laughs> I'll let you go off the title and go to your favorite source bookstore or whatever uh, to get some of those great, great authors and great books. Um, well, OB, uh, if that's everything, I guess it is. Is that right? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I know you had a lot of notes over there uh, from the yeah. questions I'd sent you. So in that case, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here on exploring faith, pursuing grace, man. Thank you so much uh, for coming on and uh, sharing these thoughts with us about prayer. And I hope that if even one of our listeners uh, tries out this uh, prayer technique and it's able to benefit their life in some way, then I think we've, <laughs> I think we've done a, done a good job here. So man, I will, uh, hit you up for some Hebrew tutoring uh, later on and uh, I will see everybody else in two weeks. Have a great day. And uh, yeah, God bless.